song baby it's been a long time we will victory wednesday thursday and it comes out hey welcome back to the dogs war podcast though and uh kevin kevin the browns won you won you were at the game let's hear it hear about i was it. at the game uh dude it you was in the a, dog pound i was in the dog i think it was the dog pound. were you with your mom my mom and my dad so yeah. my, my question if real quick so i know i just told you to tell about the game and i jumped in you have a rule where your mom can't text you during games if you're with <laughs> i was her, thinking about that what happens when you're with her at a game uh well apparently we win so i jot that down uh but then at the same time when i watched a game with her not at the game in columbus rather it was a like christmas week you know that was the jets so we lost that oh i'm like oh you to think of some other variables that could go because I don't like the idea of just being like, "Hey, mom, I can never watch a game with you ever again," or text you unless we're at the game. That's kind of a little bit overkill. But yeah, no, we uh, the Browns were able to bring it home without. It was weird. It was like a stressful ass game, and then it became unstressful with a little bit of stress. You know what I mean when I say that? I think what. We need to, uh, unfortunately, come to our realization with. Does that make sense? This team is damn good, and we're going to win a lot of games. Knock on wood. But on wood. we're not going to come into these games and win thirty-three to three, right? We're going to have to. We're going to grind out a lot of these wins, and that's what it's going to be. I think. No. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, that's uh, that's kind of a seems like an inescapable truth of. And I didn't even. I didn't think Browns. about that either. I wasn't yeah. thinking about how, like, we're going to win, still going to win a lot of games, but damn, it's going to be uh, some hard-fought battles to get to that victory line, finish yeah, line, the, whatever. The, num- the number of stress-free Browns wins in the past five years, you could count on three fingers, maybe. I'm thinking... Right. And that's being generous. I know, because even the ones that, like, come off out of the gates is ass beatings like Cowboys games, the Cowboys games, uh, the Titans game. They like, it's like, okay, what the hell is happening? You know, something where it ends up being a, even a 10 point win, which is still, you know, technically we beat them hand. Like you read about it in the paper the next day. It's like, wow, the Browns smoked them. But it's like, no, there was a lot of, uh, (laughs) there was a lot of heart heart palpitation. No, that's a good point. Cause you look at the, you see a 31, 21 Browns rocked them. no, 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 yeah. no. And you know what? I, I I am not saying we would have lost by any means. I'm saying that would have been even worse if Terod did not go out. <laughs> yeah. That's – I. What the heck was that? Even after the game, Miles was like, yeah, we didn't know they were going to pass that much. Our game plan was they are going to be on the ground the whole time. So they even caught us off guard. And, I, hey, 
first of all, shots to Rod. I, you hate seeing him get hurt for the 50th season in a row. Yeah. That guy's still out here grinding, and he looked good. He did. I, I thought that he had that one rushing touchdown where – not to make excuses for the Browns, but it looked like they had the uh, had it covered in the secondary, and then he just kind of took a look, and then he just darted to the corner of the end zone and was able to – walk kind of in. Danced I'm like, in. Yeah, I'm like that it. was kind of sick like with how he yeah. did it. And it's like, well, that's what Lamar Jackson will be doing. Um, I kind of look at it, no disrespect to the Texans, but it seemed like it was kind of a good, almost a practice game or like work some kinks out game. I mean, hopefully whatever the mistakes they've made, hopefully they are learning from it, continue to learn from it. I mean, in weeks one and two, they've gone against Patrick Mahomes and Terod Taylor, which are two mobile quarterbacks. Obviously, Mahomes is – he's probably the best QB in the league mm-hmm. at this point. Um, but when Terod went out with that hamstring injury, like oh, what's the guy's name? Davis Miles, Davis, the rookie third-string quarterback. It's like, For the I, Texans? Yeah, it's like that's where the Browns started clamping down. But it's like, all right, guys, we clamped down on their third stringer. <laughs> like, that's, um, yep. but and he's it, starting Thursday night. They already ruled Terod out. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping Terod can come back. But I, I thought it was a. Turns out it was just a hamstring. It it's looked like it was one of those ACL tweaks. You know, when they just go down unassisted, and you're like, oh, that sucks. Well, we should probably get this out of the way then. Uh, Jarvis is on IR. He'll be out three weeks with the sprained MCL. Now, we got to get Doc back on the podcast to talk about that or at least get his input because I'm told from what I was listening to today, a sprained MCL is a torn MCL. It's just not as bad as an ACL. This just takes three to four weeks to heal. And Chubb, yeah. Chubb was the same thing Chubb was last year against Dallas? Four weeks, yep. Yeah, Uh so I guess some, yes, MCL versus ACL. Also want to get some professional insight on damn hamstrings. Everyone and their mother had a hamstring injury in the preseason. Terod goes down with a hamstring injury. Like, is it that bad, kind of bad, different degrees? I don't know. could be a good I think everyone's had one at this point, yeah. But now we'll bounce back and forth from the bad news and good news. Baker, 19 of 21, passing, 105 QB rating. Another outstanding game from him. Um, that, ooh, I, I walked out of the I walked out of the bar. Oh I was gosh, watching. I don't know what what was this, what happened to the stadium? Uh, Church. I, I just felt like, well, it was a good run. I mean, how quiet did it get? It got pretty devastatingly quiet. Kevin, I will say, to, Kevin's referring to when Baker threw a. I don't know if it was the second quarter. I think it was second quarter. A. Yeah. Pick. Uh, it was intended for the rookie Schwartz. Schwartz. Apparently, uh, Schwartz quit on the route or something yeah. along the lines of that. And he uh, got his ass reamed out by Stefanski on the sidelines, which is never – I've never seen that. Yeah, Stefanski definitely blew a lid, which cool. He's got the volcano when he needs it, I guess. Yep. Um, obviously, when you're in the stands, you don't know exactly what's going on. It just looks like Baker threw a pick, but more importantly – Baker was in on the tackle of whoever made the pick and he got out and his left arm was just limp. And you're like, Oh, well there goes that season. This is horrible. Why did this happen to happen? Obviously it was because my parents came to the game, but 
I guess they popped it back in the socket. It was his left arm, and yeah. the Browns were able to turn it around real quick after that. Again, it was a weird <laughs> – typically when Browns are screwed in the beginning, correct me if I'm wrong here, and they are able to overcome that level of screwedness, it always comes down to, like, the wire. I feel like they got the jump on it pretty quickly going yeah. into that second half. And- we, we dodged a big, huge ball that I wasn't his throwing arm. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, but after Schwartzy didn't finish that route uh, and got screamed at, after Peoples-Jones fumbled, Baker didn't target those guys again the rest of the game. So what needs to be drawn from that is he's got to get some confidence back in those receivers with Jarvis out, with Odell probably starting this week, but who knows? We won't know until Stefanski's press conference, maybe on Wednesday. Um and Baker can only get trust in those guys if they tone down those first, second-year mistakes. So it's going to be a balancing act. I hope it comes back. If not, I wish people would just relax a little bit. I am fully confident in Hollywood, fully confident in DPJ that can come back from that. Love to see what Schwartz can do. Uh, we're, we're fine. We're okay here. And what's really been covered up this entire time, is our tight ends have been balling out. Harrison Bryant, four for four. Hooper, five for five. Najoku can go up and get a ball if needed. Those guys have been balling out. A couple other takes on the offense is Chubb only having 11 carries. People need to relax. Again, remember, this is a first for many of us. We're playing for December and January. If Chubb's going to go 11 and then Kareem takes the other half, whatever, we're still figuring this out. Stefanski knows what he's doing. Um... As far as defense, and again, this is why we put these podcasts out Wednesday, Thursday, because all the takes have already been spewed out. Everyone's already calmed down. Uh, it's two games in, guys. The defense has not played uh, anywhere near what ceiling is or capacity is going to be. It's two games in, okay? We're not – weeks after weeks, four or five, or some, some of these problems where we're not getting the pass rush off and not getting to the quarterback if Miles kind of disappears. Um, but – it's two weeks in. We got some injuries. We're getting through that. Let's just give some props here to our boy Delpit. Oh, my yeah. God. When him, Ronnie, and J.J. The Third were on the field at the same time, I had some tears coming down my face. But what a hell of a, a pro debut. Sack? Yeah. I mean, just kill it. <laughs> it's <a> hard. <laughs> Whenever you – I don't know how, like, actual sports analysts, like, watch games and know what's going on. Like, somebody makes a tackle, they know who it is right away. I'm like, oh my god! I think that was Delpit. I think that was Delpit. And then it's like, yeah, it was Delpit. That was Delpit. And everybody just goes nuts. Um, but we also have no clue. <laughs> Sitting in the dog pound, but that was one of the hardest sacks and like the most. What do you call it? The kind of sack that if you're making a football movie and you want a hard sack in it, that's exactly the type of clip they're taking. <laughs> he was untouched. I mean? He ran right around the edge and just welcomed that rookie quarterback to NFL too. He just looked like a little ninja. I thought uh, I thought Newsom looked pretty good, despite the uh, the PI call on him. Newsom like, looked good. I mean, the one that he contested was the difficult one. I thought, and that he did his job on the pass interference. It's like, well, it'll happen. The question is, is he going to learn from it? I think he will. Newsom um, looked good. Ward let up ninety nine yards. I felt like from the bar on the TV that there was so much space between our defenders and their receivers after making the catch. That's... So there's still clearly a lot of things to clean up here. But again, some people, again, on Sunday and Monday, we're just coming out with these takes. It's like, guys, we're two 
games in, we have, what, eight or nine new starters on this defense? Just relax. Shout out Malik McDowell, though. That dude is crushing it out there. Special teams. I was screaming special teams when they uh, got that ball back. I was like, yeah. oh, my God, finally. Special teams is, is, is contributing more. Hammer uh, game a little squibber, if you will. How about uh, Felton? Talk about being there for that. Uh, Felton, that was amazing. It was Baker's first, and I'm not going to put – People are complaining about Baker's not having any uh, touchdown passes. It's like, well, he doesn't really need to. Like, he's driving. He's doing his job. And you have the now three-headed beast behind him, and they are he's scoring. Also leading the, he's also leading the league in uh, like passes. Percentage for so everyone relaxed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but he fired that thing off to Felton, and Felton caused – Plural misses, broke a tackle, and it was just like, holy dear Barbara, that was a baller. That's a man's run. move. That was just so awesome. It's, I think he's going to be getting more time with Landry out as well, like those little yeah, those little end-around plays or whatever. He's just a guy that you have to take into account. If he, and you can hide him out there because he lines up in the slot, but – Defenses are just going to start losing their minds when he comes out there and they see his number, but think he's a running back. Or I mean, it's just it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. It is fun to watch, and these packages they've built up. He might touch the ball only a few times a game, but damn, clearly he's going to make it worth it. Uh, my last shout out I had written out was on the defensive side again. Shout out Malcolm Smith. Uh, yes. the interception in the third. He still got it. Old dog still got it. That got me pretty jacked up, and that was a. <sighs> Interceptions are earned for the most part. I mean, sometimes you see like uh, Honey Badger against uh, the uh, Ravens on Monday night. There were two picks where he was just kind of there. Granted, he was in the right position and the ball was misthrown a little bit and he did his job of catching it. Malcolm Smith in there, he capitalized on a throw that was just slightly behind. It would have been hard for anyone to catch. It was just he freaking earned it. But I do want to say – in fairness to the people freaking out about the defense, because I do have a little bit, I think, frustrations we all might share. Without losing, you know, blowing a gasket, please keep in mind that our team will make mistakes. They will continue to learn and grow from these mistakes, but they're going to happen. Last year, we had an offense that got its ass kicked, an opener against the Ravens, and it took them, they learned quickly some time to figure out how to get that thing hauling ass on all cylinders. The offense is there currently, or the offense is here currently, present tense. The defense, it's a bunch of new starters that have never played with each other, and they are going to, it's going to take some time for them to figure out things. That also being said, you know, like with Garrett and Clowney on opposite sides, like you'd think there'd be more pressures or sacks going into this thing. Like, as far as teams playing together or whatnot, it's like, well, your job is to hunt down the quarterback. or And if you're getting doubled up, how is it not an uncontested layup for the guys on the interior? And then when you're talking about, you know, uh, Denzel getting 99 dropped on him, which it happens, he was playing off the receiver on scrimmage. And I'm like, well, is that a defensive coordinator thing? Like, how do they not – make adjustments mid-game quickly. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It just seems like the 
you'd hope that they can adapt a little bit quicker. I'd like to see that, but they do need to figure it out. But is this? Do you think this is all on the DC? No, no, not yet. Again, it, it's eight or nine new starters. It's two weeks in. I'm not even listening to people saying any of that stuff just now. It's not even worth the time. Again, if we have to cross this bridge in three, four weeks, that's one thing. But I think to put a bow on it, as you've said, as I've said, everyone relax. There's no need to freak out right now. Last thing I will say, and this is a shout-out to Terry Pluto, uh, the NFL, it's a pass or fail. Either pass by getting the win or you fail by not getting the win. Mm-hmm. That His take on it was that I do believe that the Browns did play, play better in Kansas City despite not getting the win. Do you agree with that? I think Baker may have played better the second half of this game than any point of that Chiefs game, but – I don't disagree. It wasn't a – got to be a little bit of a gong show out there uh, against the Texans for a little while. So, yeah, I think overall there's less frustrations against the Chiefs minus the whole losing part. But Yeah, right. But on to Chicago. On to Chicago. And to do that, we're going to bring on Will and Mason, co-host of the Chicago Audible, one of the biggest Bears podcasts there is. We're going to bring them on. You can find them on Twitter, anywhere else, at Chicago Audible. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, this next interview is brought to you by Manscaped. Our good friends over at Manscaped, you're looking for the best shave, the best shaving products, and a whole bunch of other stuff too. You've heard me say it a thousand times, Lawnmower 4.0. Raleigh has it. I have it. My favorite shave ever. Waterproof. It's magic. Check this out. Go to manscaped.com. Use promo code FANSIDED20 for 20% off and free shipping worldwide. Manscaped.com. Promo code FANSIDE20 for 20% off and free shipping worldwide. I promise you won't regret it. Let's get into this interview. Here we go. We now welcome on two very special guests, Will and Mason, co-hosts of the Chicago Audible podcast, a Monster Bears podcast, which has been around since really before podcasts were even invented, if you think about it. Mason, Will, thank you very much for joining the Dogs Sport podcast. And how are we doing? Kevin, I'm doing great. It's nice to be on. Also, a monster podcast. I'm writing that down. Is that trademark yet? Because Monsters of the Midway, I think that can work. Well, if you haven't made a t-shirt yet, make the t-shirt. Just send us one You know, I made t-shirts. So we actually used to have old branding uh, when I started this podcast. And then the NFL subpoenaed me uh, December 2018 when the Bears were winning the division. You know, things got a little too good uh, for us and for the Bears for one magical season. So we had to do a rebrand in 10 days. So hence the Chicago Audible was born. Ah, uh, the no fun league. Wait, That's so, right. <laughs> like we start, we before we came on, what we like to do is just hear the quick intro and background. How did you guys start this? You born and raised Bears fans. Um, lead us away. Yeah, sure. So born Bears fan, hundred percent. I was actually born during a Bears game. My wife and I are expecting our firstborn uh, child, so my first son. Uh, it's actually his crib and dresser that I need to build this weekend in the nursery. Thank you so much. Uh, so he's due Thanksgiving Day. The Bears play Thanksgiving Day. So there's a chance that my son can also be born during a Bears game, which is pretty damn awesome if you ask me. Um, but to get that. to rooting for that big time. Hey, me too. I mean, I don't I don't mind having to miss a post game show if that's going to end up being uh, how my life 
ends up working out. That's pretty, really cool. Uh, so for my show, we started this in 2015 uh, as an internship uh, at Indiana University. Uh, one of my professors was like, hey, you need to pretty much start a show about whatever you're interested in uh, in the sports world, whether it be general sports talk or something hyper-focused. And I was always a Bears fan, always wanted to make a Bears-focused really anything. And I had a little blog for a student radio station. And I thought, why not do a podcast? So ended up making that with my high school best friend. Uh, we did it for a few years, brought in my other co-host, Nicholas Moriano, uh, a couple of years after that, uh, really built up that following. I mentioned the name change in 2018, but I think we're now in year seven, over five and a half million downloads all time, really been able to kind of build that awesome uh, atmosphere and group of Chicago Bears fans and Sir Mason over here joined us at the top of this season of uh, being a very loyal listener of ours and always kind of giving his physical therapist advice along the way and he ended up growing into a full-time row in the panel which is really really neat. I'm so happy you guys are therapist physical therapists both of you are correct? No <laughs> <laughs> that's just me just me. Okay well we have so many hamstring related questions uh, <laughs> that we've never really got the answer to. Uh, well, the first one, Mason, correct me if I'm wrong, because we just asked this. You guys are coming on after Rell and I just, just broke down our game against the Texans. So Jarvis is out with a sprained MCL. Sprained MCL is still a torn MCL. Is that correct? So, yes, yeah, so really at the end of the day, sprain, strain, you know, sprain is going to be a ligament, strain is going to be a muscle. You know, they get grades one through four. And at the end of the day, they're all put in the same category. So, you know, one is just going to be a slight deviation of those fibers. You get just a little bit of an issue there. When you get to a four, that's a complete tear. That's where it's just gone. Right. So, like, at the end of the day, it just depends on the severity of it. And, you know, from what I've been hearing with Jarvis, just it seems more like a grade two. So it's severe enough that's going to knock him out, but not enough that he's going to be long, long term. But, I mean, you got to throw him on the IR there just to free up that roster spot. Not like a season ending, especially with the MCL as well. It's it's important for sure. I mean, all your ligaments are important, but it's not a season ending one like an ACL or PCL would be. So, you know, he's going to be out for a while, but he's going to be back. Can you dumb it down for people who, like me, uh, these are the best athletes on the planet, some of them. Um all they do is work out and train all day, every day. So can you help understand how do then all these hammies keep happening? So, man, so pulling back the curtain a little bit, it's, it's interesting because you think that an athlete is going to get the top, top level kind of treatment. And that's not necessarily always the case. You know, when they go in the training room, they get some stuff with the trainers. And the thing is, when they're going through a lot of the workouts and things, these workouts are designed to hit the entire team. And while you're going to do some specific stuff off to the side, you know, more receiver speed work, you know, a little bit heavier lifting for the linemen, the problem is that's a lot of guys you're trying to keep track of. And you can't necessarily get the time that you need for everyone. Now, when you end up having a situation where you actually do get an injury, you know, it's funny, I have a, a buddy that works for the Detroit Lions. You know, he's kind of has to do whatever the athletic trainer says. And a lot of that's just like simple band work, some basic ice recovery, things that honestly you, I, we all have access to. It's not that crazy. It's up to the athlete to reach out and try to find someone that's really going to push them to that next level. Now, especially when it comes to hamstring, you got to train it right. Because like there's three different ways that hamstring works. Concentric, eccentric, isometric. Concentric is when it shortens. Eccentric is when it lengthens. Isometric is when it stays the same. If you don't have exercises that hit all three of those phases, and not just hit all three of those phases, but hit it with different loads, right? Really fast movement, power, you know, push-offs, 
all those different phases of movement, you're going to be at risk for having an injury like that. And especially with COVID going on and all these guys are doing a lot more training on their own too now, like you have less and less control about what's actually happening there. So unless you have someone smart in your background and they're in your back and part of your team, you're going to get a hamstring strain. Mason, uh, what you, for some reason, as we're talking about Jarvis and um, the way these athletes take care of themselves, the first or the Brown season of hard knocks, uh, there was a clip of him kind of getting into what was his names? Uh, Corey Coleman, I think it was, was saying like, you need to, like, your body is your temple. Like, you have to focus on your diet and you take this seriously. Um, but I think Jarvis is the total professional. I'm not asking you to drop any names by any means, but do you see a wide spectrum of how seriously these guys take into account staying on top of their various ligaments and tendons health? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Some of it boils down to some of these guys, like they're like Kevin, I said earlier, top, top level athletes. And they've been that way since middle school. And, you know, you're able to walk onto a football field and they were the best athlete there. And a lot of that's been able to continue right all the way into the pros. And then it takes a lot of times something catastrophic before they realize that they actually have to do more than what they did in middle school, high school, and even sometimes college. And that's the unfortunate part. You know, you think you're invincible until you're not invincible anymore. And there are some people like, let's take Tom Brady, because he's insane, you know, and hey, he's a multimillionaire who can spend a million dollars per year on his body. That's why he's able to play at the age he is, because he wakes up, you know, at 530 in the morning to have his avocado crazy kombucha drinks. And then he, you know, does all the stuff all day that he's supposed to, the rest, the recovery, you know, it's all perfectly on point. And then, you know, he's in bed by eight (laughs) o'clock, you know, none none of us are going to be doing, you know, we're currently doing a podcast at 830 right now. So, you know, they're just, unfortunately, like I said, unfortunately, it takes a little bit of learning and growing up, right? Because you enter the league and you're getting all this money, you're, you're used to being able to do things a certain way. You got to learn the right way. And the hope is that you have a culture in a locker room that's going to bring you along. Like I got a friend, he's a chiropractor in the area and works with a lot of the bears actually. And it's word of mouth. You know, it's a couple of the guys he works with bringing in those other guys and say, Hey, you got to see this guy because he's going to get you right. Otherwise they're just hanging out at house hall. And honestly, a lot of times it doesn't go great. Rollo, we got, we already have our, our resident orthopedic surgeon, your uncle. We might need to bring on a resident physical therapist at some point, but I just learned more in eight minutes than I have in, in eight weeks. So I appreciate that. But I don't want to waste your guys' time with all of our injuries. Well, not wasting time, but we want to talk some bears here. So let's do it. You knew it was coming before I even sent the, the pregame questions over. Sunday, bears are coming to Cleveland. Is it going to be Mr. Justin Fields under center from the jump? I'm going to have to defer to Mason for an Andy Dalton analysis, but if I got to choose, it would definitely be Justin. Absolutely. If it's just going by what we want, it'd be Justin. If we're going by what the medical stuff says, it's also going to be Justin. Hey. (laughs) At the end of the day, Andy Dalton suffered a bone bruise, and a lot of people are freaking out on Bear's Twitter right now. Like, what does that mean? I got a bruise yesterday, running running into a dresser. I'm fine. Why is Andy Dalton going to be out for a while? (laughs) It's like same thing, guys. (laughs) This is different. You know, at the end of the day, what happened for him is that this tibia, this lower bone, and this femur smashed together when he was trying to decelerate. 
and now he's got all this blood and just anger in there, this articular cartilage which covers the bottom or, or those bones where they come together. It's a really sensitive area. And when you have that much force going through it, it's not it's nothing to mess around with. And that is a usually a minimum three to four week recovery for like even a high level athlete. Honestly, I would say it's closer to five to six. So there is zero percent chance Andy Dalton's gonna be under center. Wait, zero percent? You think it's gonna be field? No, it's it your first. It, it, there's no way it, it just doesn't make sense and you know the bears have to be gamesmen they have to say you know oh you know prepare totally, for, totally. prepare for fields you don't know what's going to come at you you know but there is no way unless they all of a sudden gave him a bionic leg that i don't know about i, I just can't see it medically my thought and, and this is something that it's like one of the fewer pretend analyst things or stances i've had uh partially because fields came from ohio state um I swear I would never draft an Ohio State quarterback in the top five. But when you guys got him, was it at like 12 or something? 11. Uh, 11. 11. I'm like, I think that's the way to do it. Uh, you traded up to get him or yep, did he fall? Mm-hmm. Okay, you traded up to get him. But time and time again, the league shows you, particularly with Ohio State quarterbacks, when you throw them into the fire, they can get wrecked pretty quick, whether it's mentally, physically, what have you. Ohio State quarterbacks have never overcome adversity while they're playing at Ohio State because all of their receivers are significantly better than the DBs that are covering them. Their O-line is significantly better than whoever is coming after them. And Ohio State has basically four games to lose every year. Granted, they lost one already and they let Boise State give him a run but to just play for the long game let the guy get acclimated I don't care if the Bears go four and however many games are in the season I, I struggle that with that too right four and 12 is what my mind would do but now you have to say four and 13 and it still yeah, feels so wrong exactly it's I have that, that's a conversation for a different time but he can be a good quarterback. Just let him get acclimated to it because if he starts underperforming for the Bears fans, they're going to turn on him real quick. Very similar with Browns fans, I think, where they just lose it. And it's like, well, he's a kid playing in the league now. He can't just throw it up to whichever superior receiver he has. He's got to get acclimated to it. My thought, if I was a Bears fan, and I do root for them, it's one of the fewer Chicago teams I do genuinely root for, like protect him, protect his state of mind, invest in him, get that O-line and make your run, like play for the 10-year game instead of a a above average season that could cost him in the long run would be my thought. So now I'm more than Raleigh's entire opinion on Justin Fields and Ohio State Let's hear it from you guys, too. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we're here for, right? So at least for me. So I didn't know all too much about Justin until we started getting into the uh, the pre-draft process of this season. Uh, I saw him once last year uh, playing against uh, my school, Indiana University, and it wasn't the best game. Uh, So I use that as a little bit of bias. But the more I've learned about Justin Fields in the pre-draft and really the post-draft as well, watching him in preseason, watching him at training camp, and even what I saw a little bit last week and just some of the documentaries and things that are coming out of that nature, he's built different. Uh, he has a different mindset. He's not someone that's going to be easily rattled, easily, you know, uh, confidence is getting shattered or anything of that nature. Uh, he's someone that I believe can 
withstand some adversity. I think he saw that a little bit in his time at Ohio State, uh, whether it be that Clemson game when he broke the ribs, came in and willed his team back there, or you know, another situation as well. But there's been times where you see him clean up mistakes. He's been very adamant, very vocal that he won't make that same mistake twice. Uh, There's one play last game against the Bengals where he was able to pick up uh, a free blitzer pre-snap. And that was the same kind of situation that happened in the game in the preseason when he almost got his head taken off. Uh, so seeing him just kind of grow and from that, it gets me very excited. But from a Bears fan, my perspective right now when it comes to Justin Fields is he is by and large, the most special quarterback project that we've ever had here in Chicago. He's the most complete quarterback, whether it be arm, legs, mentality that I've ever seen in a Bears uniform in my entire lifetime. And again, maybe we don't want to ruin it, but we do live in an instant gratification world. And I can understand why there's a deep desire from the majority of the fan base to get him out there now. Do you guys believe that they started Dalton from the jump because they don't want to get his head ripped off by the Rams defense by Aaron I think that was part of it. Yeah, I think that was part of it. And also, this regime is a little hard-headed at times. So if they say this is our plan, they're going to stick with it, even if that doesn't mean it's maybe the best thing for this team at that time. But at least they can say they did that, and then they can kind of learn from it. Uh, they are a little rigid. Uh, I've seen that from head coach Matt Nagy a few different times where his ego kind of gets in the way. Uh, he needs to learn a little bit more humility here. So uh, I think there was part of it by going up against that Rams defense. And really, they just never gave him a chance to say he earned the job in preseason. Never really played him with the ones, whether it be in practice, whether it be in the preseason games. Uh, and so they never really gave him that chance, which, again, I think was very deliberate. Uh, shout out Nagy. His press conference yesterday when asked about the quarterback situation was absolutely incredible. And if you guys, whoever, uh, Bears or Browns fans, you ever watched Nagy's press conference? Was it yesterday? Uh, yeah. Monday? Please watch that old. It's, it's a word salad every time with him. It's a lot of just stuff with not a lot of substance to it. But then someone had to come out, like another Bears employee yeah. had to come out and be like, uh, yeah, forget what he just said. Uh, <laughs> it was incredible. But I wanted to ask, where are we at with Nagy? We see Nagy on Twitter and people railing him all the time verbally. Uh there's always with him and drafting Mitch and then passing up on, you know, Mahomes and Deshaun. Uh, and then now all this pressure with him and Fields. What, where is, what's the leash like with him right now? Is he gone for this year? Is he here for a while? Where, where are we at with him? Great question. So he didn't draft Mitch. That was the John Fox era here in Chicago. Oh, he, yes. My bad. So that's okay. I mean, that's their GM's problem. He's still here too. That's what I meant. The GM is who, Yes. But, you know, Ryan Pace, he drafted Mitch, but I do think, you know, maybe you make up for that Cardinal sin by drafting a Justin Fields. Personally, with Matt Nagy, I'm somewhere in that lukewarm water. Like, I'm not, like, scorching that hot seat just yet. I'm not ready to, you know, chase him out of town. I would like to see what he can do with a Justin Fields, so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, There was a lot of times when you look at his offense, you know, with Mitchell Trubisky at quarterback that you can tell it was severely limited by who was playing under center. So I do want to give him this chance, but whether it be in-game management, uh, some of the approaches to his press conferences, it's hard not to be frustrated with him at times. I don't know if Mason, you have a slightly different perspective that you wanted to bring, but that's just where I'm at. Where is Nick Foles and practice squad? No, (laughs) no, he's active. He has to be active, but he's never like active on the the game day roster. So he's, you know, undressed kind of being an extra player coach kind of guy. Is he on this roster or no? He's active on the roster, so he counts towards the cap, and he's you know no, practicing you throughout the week. What are the trade rumors like? Is he going to stick around here for the long haul, or is he out? I think we have an out after this year, if I'm not mistaken. 
We've been out after this year. Uh, I mean, originally, you know, every Bears fan is slamming the table saying, hey, get rid of Nick Foles because we want him <laughs> off the books. With the current Andy Dalton injury going on, too, you know, I don't see that happening because, again, five, six weeks probably at least that he's going to be out. And you need that backup quarterback. You need someone that's going to be in there. Um, the, the rumors before where, you know, there was the, Car- the Carson Wentz stuff. Would he go to the Colts? Uh, because, you know, obviously he has a relationship with Frank Reich, but then, you know, that was whole weird. You really want both of them in the same quarterback room again. Um, you really need a team, if you're going to trade him, to be pretty desperate to take on that money. And he wants a situation. You know, the rumors floating around is that the Bears are letting him kind of veto some trade options based on where he wants to go. So not, o- not only does Nick Foles have to agree to the destination, but the team has to actually legit want him and that money, and he wants a chance to compete. And we're in the, you know, first fourth of the season right now it's a weird influx situation that we got to keep an eye on but i don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon before we uh okay one more question about the offense before we start flipping over the defense and before we know we got to go to the next show um i don't i i'm an ohio state fan i love fields i don't want to talk about fields any longer who is fields going to look to i know he's obviously a much different quarterback than andy dalton who are going to be some of his playmakers on Sunday against the Browns, who is he going to be counting on? Boy, I'm excited to see what he can do with a week of practice with these ones. Again, I said it, he has barely been able to have any reps, uh, whether it be an Allen Robinson, a Darnell Mooney, a Marquise Goodwin. Most of Justin Fields' reps in preseason and in training camp came with guys who are not on this football team any longer. So yeah. that's really interesting to see what he'll actually do, you know, come a week of practice, who he's going to rely on. When I look at your Browns defense, I feel like we can make plays with our receivers, whether it be an Allen Robinson, a Darnell Mooney, who's the team's leading receiver after two weeks, and a Marquise Goodwin, who we brought in this offseason to kind of help bring some more speed, uh, as well as another good outside threat to this offense. Last week, we only had one target to a tight end, so I don't know if that's really the case, but David Montgomery and Damian Williams are also two capable backs coming out of the backfield, but if I put my money on it, you're looking at Allen Robinson, you're looking at a Darnell Mooney, and then maybe I would hope a tight end can get involved this week, so like a Cole Komet. On the defensive side of things, this is me sniping at Kevin question. Everyone knows the name Khalil Mack. Uh, where are, would you say overall, are some of the Bears – strengths and weaknesses on defense their strengths really is that front seven uh you know the khalil mack robert quinn actually surprisingly has shown up he's been a, an issue for the bears since he signed last year uh, it was questionable if he was even on the team at times with how much he disappeared and with injuries <laughs> and things like that um but they they kill it in the trenches khalil mack akeem hicks they're getting mario edwards back uh you know you might have an eddie goldman his injuries really day-to-day that's gonna be big especially obviously with the run game that the Browns have, are they able to clog up those lanes? But, you know, they've had some guys uh, like Tonga and Blal Nichols who've been able to step up and actually do some of that lane clogging. And then a guy like Roquan Smith, I mean, he is he plays all over the field. I expect him to be a big, big impact in this game, whether it's in some pass coverage on some of the y'all's tight ends or if it's stopping the run. He got an interception for pick six last week, which is the first time he has scored since high school. So, you know, congrats for him. Oh, that front seven is going to be real, real tough. Uh, and I think it's going to be really about the strengths, which is going to be really interesting to see, right? You know, the, that run game you guys have and the stout defensive front that the Bears have. It's going to be a clash of the Titans. It's just, you know, like and you just said, Rokon Smith, Khalil Mack, Law Nichols. I mean, you guys have so – and just the names don't ever stop. And it's just how the Bears have always been, you know, one of the most revered defenses ever. Um, and that's just always a continuous thing with you guys. I know we're going to jump to your show next. So, Raleigh, should we hit him with predictions? Yeah. 
We like to, if you guys, I don't know if you're superstitious or not, we love to ask our guests for predictions for Sunday's game. Either of you, please take it away. See, so we have like a, a little leaderboard uh, that we do uh, for predict- predictions each and every week, and those shows are on Thursday, and we're recording Tuesday night. So, Mason, what you say here, I may or may not hold it against you, depending oh. on how I feel come Thursday. Uh, but for me, uh, I'm having the Bears sneaking out of here with a victory 24-21. Uh, as Mason said, it's going to be a – I think it's going to be like one of those smash-mouth types of football games uh, for sure. And it's going to be a, a one-score game uh, at the end of the day. So right now I have 24-21 Bears. Yeah, I try not to be too meat-heady about this and try to just you know, <laughs> stick with my team. Um, I originally at the beginning of the week was very much on the Brown side of things. But then as stuff is kind of leaked, you know, I'm not sure where OBJ is going to be. I'm not sure. You know, obviously, you're not going to have the wide receiver number two in Landry. I don't know what Baker's looking like. I mean, he dislocated his shoulder. He came back, but he definitely wasn't as crisp in that second half, or at least didn't seem that way. So I'm slowly starting to eat towards the Bears. So I think I'm going to have to go 27-24 Bears. Kevin? I called this, and you can look back for our listeners, many podcast episodes ago. I said Fields is starting when he comes to Cleveland. I think it'll be the first and last time an opposing quarterback ever gets somewhat of a nice little cheer or hello. It's going to be kind of, unfortunately, us Ohio State fans just kind of are washing our hands respectfully. So, And after that, that's it. I think it's going to be a dogfight. At the end of the day, uh, I'm worried about the Bears' defense, as I don't know if I ever won't be worried about the Bears' defense this season or not. But my run game, our run game – I have too much faith in our run game, and I don't have enough faith in that Bears offense. As much as I love Fields, his first week, his first start, uh, I'm going to go 21-14 Browns. Uh, 38-10 Browns. (laughs) (laughs) Raleigh likes going for the big ones. Hey, Will and Mason, I really appreciate you guys coming on. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, co-hosts of the Chicago Audible. You can find them on Twitter, at Chicago Audible. You can find that. You guys can run on all platforms, correct? Yep. Wherever you're listening to this show, I'm sure you can find our show as well, uh, The Chicago Audible. And if you don't, well, let these guys know. They can relay the inf- information to me so I can make sure we're on a yeah, random right. platform that apparently I didn't know existed. But I'm feeling confident that you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh, like, don't we, the podcast we code that. is not really knowing where they start, where they end. Five and a half million downloads is, is nothing to sneeze at. That I think we're still both stunned at, at hearing a number like that. We're, we're getting there, Riley. We're getting there. Will and Mason, thank you again. This is going to close out the Dogs War podcast for this week for our guests, for Riley, for myself. Go Browns. We'll see you. Let's have a good, clean game, gentlemen, and good night, Cleveland. This is how the story goes.